0: Welcome to a Podcast on Fire on Easy Money and Shanghai Shanghai! And it's the Thomas Crown Affair Hong Kong style with Michelle Yeoh as the thief and George Lam as the sexy insurance investigator? Wait, what? We are the role reversal here versus the Stephen Queen movie. At least the sexy insurance investigator in this case has a killer laserdisc and VHS collection. <laughs> this all takes place in 1987's Easy Money. Also. That magnificent George Lamb and his flying machine, which has a place within the body of an actioner set in Shanghai on the brink of revolution, that also stars Sam Hong, Yunbyu, and Anita Moy, and that movie is 1990s Shanghai. Shanghai. Did you know? Did you notice the little uh, old British, uh, uh, British flying machine movie reference I squeezed in there? <laughs> <laughs> that magnificent George and his flying machine.
1: Flying machine. Very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. Thanks.
0: Yes. I had the wikipedia that just to make sure that was a movie because i remember that title from uh, way way back was that a movie yeah, yeah. or was that just a term from some something anyway this is the george lamb defaming sessions So uh, once more and we continue to fairly hopefully and in a fun hopefully way determine whether this actor george lamb has any worth and uh, if he's uh, mathematically and statistically to our liking or not Therefore, we determine in this sub-series of podcast on Fire whether the man with the eternal stash is lamb or lame. And here to help me out uh, to add to this ongo- ongoing LL score, if you will, is Phil G. of easternfilmfans.co.uk. So, say hello, buddy. Hello!
1: Ah, oh, it's good to be back. Good to be back on the lamb or lame. i tell you what, I love it. I'm loving it. I don't know. You know, when I came into this whole process... Ah, when I was a lad and we were looking at Alan Tam, you know, and then we started Lamb or Lame, you know. I'm actually really enjoying it now. I've got to say, I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying, you know, vetting Lamb or Lame in his, you know, in all his glory. So, yeah, it's good to be back, mate. Good to be back.
0: That is very much due to you and your work ethic, if we're going to call this work, it's sort of his work, and your enthusiasm and the way you respond to this idea, because after all, they're merely ideas. They're not... It's not like, not like a genius thing. It's uh, more of an experiment. Can we do this twice? We sort of fell into it because of my hatred of Alan Tam. My prior <laughs> hatred of Alan Tam. <laughs> now statistically and mathematically, he's okay. Uh, <laughs> that amuses me. I've, I've sort of like fallen into the robot, robot mode. <laughs> Ken, Tam, or oh, Team Tam. Team Tam, thank you. It is fun because one, it... Uh, affords uh, us to sort of do some eclectic choices. these are not necessarily action movies. George lamb was not an action star and uh, it also affords us to have a little bit of fun it also forces us to sort of fairly examine this because there's a concept behind this where we provide the context to sort of make the the final idea and the context of it come to uh, come to its yeah. logical conclusion you know it's a, it, it there's a purpose here and i very much enjoyed that you are on board with that because uh, you're you're extremely fun to talk with in this context of judging actors now that's not what you and i are going to do forever and ever <laughs> maybe <laughs> we we'll have to digest these two actors for a little bit and go back to regular what? reviewing what?
1: <laughs> what what we're not going to do that forever and ever okay
0: what well, yeah. I haven't thought of any other actor that I uh, particularly dislike, so, you
1: know. Oh, I mean, maybe we need to think. We're going to have to put that out there to people. I think we're going to have to throw something out there before Ken sacks me.
0: Make Ken hate something.
1: Yeah, make Ken hate someone. Who does Ken hate that we can force him? Or who do I hate we can force me to watch? Or just generally, who do you hate that you can force us to watch? And, um, you know, and it needs a witty yeah, tagline in there as well, so please... Uh, yeah, suggestions welcome. I'm just putting it out there. You know, if we want to hear more, just give us some names. Let's let's do this thing. Anyway, we haven't finished with the uh, we haven't finished with Georgie boy. Yeah, yep.
0: Still, still, uh, still, the faming to do, and uh, that's what we're gonna do. But uh, uh, some brief contact information. First of all, this is podcast on fire on the podcast on fire network, and this show on Hong Kong cinema, new and old. George Lamb cinema, new and somewhat new, and not necessarily super current because George doesn't star in movies uh, nowadays. Uh, I think he's uh, he's uh, still singing and touring and uh, appearing with his wife, Sally, yes. I think he's not the uh, idol necessarily. So um, he's an idol still, but he's not uh, idol. I think I've said that uh, before. like why you uh, did that, Ken.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I know, but he's worth it's worth pointing out. It's worth it. Very good. Sorry.
0: And, uh, but uh, this show is located on podcastonfire.com along with all our other shows on Japanese cinema, Korean cinema, Sleazy Cinema. We have audio commentaries and bonus episodes and hopefully something for you. And if you are a first time listener, thank you very much for taking in the show and I hope you like it. And uh, if you want to let us know, what you thought of the show, or what your favorite George Lamb movie or your favorite uh, Alan Tam movie is, contact us. Podcast on fire at googlemail.com We are available on Facebook in the form of our page. Just click the Facebook button at the top of our page. You can search out the, pod, the network group called pod, Podcast on Fire Network while you're on Facebook to follow, show updates, and the likes. And the Twitter button leads to our tweets. The iTunes button at the top of the website leads to our iTunes feed. And the Stitcher Radio button leads to Stitcher Radio. ...online where you can stream us, but you can also do that through the applications available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. And I I do have to say about iTunes, uh, by the way, or Apple Podcasts. So if you like and have fun listening to this episode, and if the discussion made you want to pursue the movies, or even if it didn't... ...do us a favor and share this episode, and leave us feedback on social media, such as that Facebook page, and uh, we'll link to it in, in the show post. It's on the website permanently... It's called Podcast on Fire Network if you want to search it out yourself. The group is called the same and join the discussion group too to add your two cents about uh, George Lamb or anything you hear on the network. We would love to hear from you and talk to you. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, do us another favor and rate and review us on, uh, on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. It helps immensely because we really love seeing your views up there, good or bad, uh, because we we can always improve and it's nice to see what you find folks think about the show, and George Lamb. The only thing is, don't write lame in the review on iTunes. Because it might come off as a bad review of the show and not a bad review of George. So please, don't write lame.
1: (laughs) Ah, really didn't think this would happen (laughs) properly. (laughs) <laughs> oh dear sorry it tickled
0: me uh, it, it it did while i wrote that because i uh, wait a minute yes i'll say it. i'll say that on the show the realization
1: like, kicks in oh yeah. my god what have i done <laughs>
0: exactly it is like the old arrested uh, development uh uh tagline i think i made a huge mistake <laughs> so 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 do please uh let us know so that's uh that's all for now phil uh, you have a wonderful website that I plugged earlier, but uh, you're going to have to plug it uh, in your own words as well. And what do you want to mention about Eastern Film Fans?
1: EasternFilmFans.co.uk, also on Facebook and Twitter. So yeah, a lot of social media uh, activity and movements and stuff, and um, probably not as much as movement as I'd like. But I'm still um, going to plug and keep plugging um, the greatest. Uh, 100 eastern films of all time we started at the start of the year and you probably heard me in a in a previous podcast and if it goes till the end of the year i'm still going to do it we started off well and he's dipped in between so i'm going to pick that back up again so if you see some posts flying around you know when this comes out then then take a look um i'm still after your top 10 top 20 top 100 send me what you have what are your favorite eastern films of all time any genre my God, it frazzles your brain to think about it, doesn't it? But I'm going to collate them all, and I'm going to put it out there. And if it takes me a year to do it, I'm still going to do it, and I'm going to put out what hour, you know, you're the fans, by the fans, for the fans, what are your greatest hundred movies. So if you don't tell me what your greatest film is, it won't be in the list, as it never is. So, yeah, that's what I'll be concentrating on and making sure. And in between, hopefully we'll be bringing you some news and reviews and all the other good stuff that, that comes with us. Uh, the eastern film fans
0: and throw out the little uh, url for the kind people as well yes
1: so if you go to www.easternfilmfans.co.uk and you can drop your list on there or you can contact us directly contact details there or drop us a line on uh, twitter or facebook absolutely um drop us your favorite films and uh, we'll make sure they're included and give you a shout out
0: well here's the thing phil the idea that you had and uh conception and now you put it out in the world in a way Phil and this is just my opinion you've won already and the rest is a victory lap because any venture yeah. big or small but any venture that includes being proactive which mm. this, is a, this is a proactive venture means that you already won in my opinion and the rest is a victory lap And but, but to keep on working and keep on plugging and trying to get the community to, yeah. to interact with each other and interact with you that's great work and that's hard work and you're not the kind of person that, oh my God, 500 people didn't respond within 10 minutes to my request. Exactly. Like, <laughs> you're not that kind of guy. So so still keep that in mind. The rest is a victory lap, whatever happens, man.
1: Yeah, and and the same with anything when you put out and you got a project and it is a kind of a mini project. You know, you need to give it time. I've got plenty of time. You know, I've got time to get people's opinions and the more people's opinions I have and like I say, if it takes me under the six months, that's fine until I come to a point where I go, you know what? I've got enough here where people will probably want to know what the outcome is. And rather than me doing it, rather than me sitting down on my website and putting what I think are the greatest hundred films, and everybody can do it, you tell me everybody does the same thing, and then we put them in a big pile, we add them all up, and we tell what the the majority says. You might agree, disagree, but you know what? It's fun. I like it. I like reading those kind of things. So I thought, let's do it. Let's give the fans something, you know, to chew on and talk about in the community to, you know that that's what it's all about so yeah yeah i'm looking looking forward to carrying on that venture
0: it's feasible that at least one George Lamb movie would make the list in all seriousness. <laughs> you never know. And, you and, know. And, and in all honesty, because we're talking 100 movies, that, that movie would probably, for me, be both people. Both because, people. Because it's sort of his, his best movie, in my opinion. Uh, and uh, from a, a, profi- a prolific director, and Hoy, who at the time of recording won another Hong Kong Film Award for at least Best Picture or Best Director. So and Hoy is no sludge. She's, she's still um, going strong. At any rate, After the musical break, we're going to talk the first movie, the Hong Kong take or retake or remake of the Thomas Crown Affair in the form of Easy Money from 1987. And we'll take that musical break right now, and we'll be back to share our thoughts on it. And welcome back in this this uh, episode uh, it's first review it's coming up right now it's uh, the movie Easy Money there's a couple of movies called Easy Money but this is the 1987 one starring Michelle Yeoh and George Lam and the plot from my review of the film goes as follows Uh, Rich Heiress Michelle played by Michelle Yeoh decides to break out of the mundane uh, mundane sort of uh, existence that she has and she stages a robbery of an armored transport uh, carrying money from the Royal Hong Kong Jockey Club trying to catch her is Inspector Ken played by kent cheng but more importantly george lamb that's the character and that's of course the actor george lamb as well so fucking lazy
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think i'll put something similar in my notes but yeah you, you, you've encapsulated it there Go on,
0: kent, exactly it, it makes it easy to like who does andy Lau play in his movie <laughs> andy got it got it <laughs> Uh, but anyway, George uh, is the representative sent out by the insurance company, and he follows Michelle across the globe. He gets closer to her and tries to find out where the money is because he's convinced that she did it. So uh, let's uh, share some uh, brief opinions first of all, and I'll, uh, I'll go first, just because uh, just because I can. Uh, somewhat strong first half of Michelle and High stuff, I really like that. Within that, there's some strong George and investigating stuff, too. But once it's more about them interacting as the movie starts to go around the globe, uh, director Stephen Chin, a bite of loves, Stephen Chin, uh-oh, he doesn't engage as much. The, the beats that involves the investigation, it's solid throughout, but a lot... Sh- hinges on the duo because they're the leads and i feel they're they feel a bit distant from each other when they shouldn't so it, it doesn't quite uh, hit um hit all uh the things uh the marks that it should so uh, that's my short opinion for now what do you think of easy money
1: yeah you've, you've kind of hit the nail on the head again we got, we got the same opinion the first half you know goes quite quite nicely there's a nice little hoist piece in there which you know is quite is quite good you know the first half but the second half it just wanes and it, it's it's something to do with the direction the the, the two leads don't quite connect uh, in the way they should to carry the movie through to the end and and to be honest by the end you don't really care which is a shame because it starts off well enough i think and you know preconceptually if you went into it way back then and i knew it obviously Michelle yo, yeah, that it was a non-action feature film for uh, but obviously people could be somewhat um uh disappointed if they thought it was gonna be something else than it was i guess um but i certainly didn't go into the film thinking that but yeah i was i was disappointed by the end um even though you know there was a stronger first half uh, in the feature film so yeah
0: i have only seen the remake of the thomas crowner film with Piers Brosnan and uh, René Rosso and Dennis Leary. I don't remember much from it so but but I'm pretty confident, based on the research I did, research I did, that Easy Money does follow the beats close enough where you can confidently say that yes, it's sort of a retake remake of the Thomas Crown affair. Um do, do you remember seeing any of the versions either the Steve McQueen one or the Piers Brosnan one?
1: Vaguely, the um the Steve McQueen one, because I've got all these films and I had a fad, so I vaguely, and the Pierce Brosnan again was years and years ago. I did watch it just to see. So, yeah, I think it has the beats of that, but like I say, they're just nowhere near the the chemistry at all. Although, um, I think having Michelle Yeoh as the, uh, the lead was quite inspiring. I like that switcheroo.
0: Yeah, yeah, but the reversal is not a bad concept at all. Yeah, it's
1: a great concept. I think it was a great idea. And and equally, I think she could have done well in either role. She just has that. um, Did George let the whole thing down? Well, I guess that's what we'll talk about.
0: It certainly opens in a Hong Kong-style way, though, because it centers around horse racing. And if I remember correctly, maybe it has changed now and more things are legal. But at the time, anyway, uh, horse racing was one of the only legal form of uh, gambling and betting you could do in Hong Kong. So therefore horse racing was big and was uh, on TV and, and uh, you know, they broadcast these uh, jockey races. So uh, we, we we have sort of a, a very local Hong Kong flavor here. And then George slides in in his stupid car at one point. So, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> he's not in a movie that not for the first 20 minutes, so we just get a little glimpse of George in uh, I was going to
1: say, it's uh, 23 minutes I counted, 23 minutes in till George appears, um, which is like whoa, There's not we're doing it George where's, where's George, where's Where's George gone, isn't he supposed to be integral to this I didn't miss him for the first 23 minutes, <laughs> and it was fine, there was enough going on, didn't need him, but yeah 23 minutes until George, so there you go
0: You, you sat there with the stopwatch tick 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 <laughs> tick tick tick, tick, tick.
1: Sometimes I just have these little idiosyncrasies that I have to do. Uh, but yeah, it was one of those things.
0: <laughs> but w- w- what it also is, what I didn't remember, was that it's sort of another Lon- London adventure, partly. Uh, Stephen Ching gets some uh, production value shooting uh, I don't know if it's an annual thing, but it's certainly like a queen. Uh, uh, the queen, um, uh, she she is part of a parade, and it's clearly set in England. And um, and 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 they shoot that documentary style uh, pretty efficiently, though. It's not like they're snuck in cameras in there because you can't. (laughs) for security reasons.
1: Yeah, it's proper. Yeah, yeah. It's probably a jubilee. It's usually a jubilee. It's usually one of those kind of things, but yeah.
0: Because if it was in 86 or 87, they were there. So, uh, but uh, I was sort of delighted. I didn't remember this was a London adventure. So I was thinking to myself, so just send George permanently over there because you're going to shoot movies over there anyway, seemingly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You got a bite of love and uh, and Banana Cop and all of that. So, uh, but he has some production values with that Boasting that it has production values, it just looks sort of nice and slick, and uh, surroundings that they um, that they get to shoot at in England as a grand mansion that uh, Michelio uh, is uh, flown to in a helicopter because they have a big signing ceremony, and also the um, albeit it is a post-dubbed film, but still they got decent enough. Uh, you know, British or English performers, and the subsequent dubbing of those—they're they're pretty decent. So Stephen Shin gives this a nice, professional—not uh, a Shin, but a Sheen. That was not a pun. I just wrote it like that. So, um, so I—it's DMB again, sort of um, amping professionalism of Hong Kong cinema, and you, you can't ever dislike that, to be honest. When they do, but you also, as we have already established, you also need to make a furrow fairly good movie. That's always your intent and it certainly isn't. But the fact that it travels around the globe and is professional, that's not its downfall.
1: No. No, absolutely. Like you say, you've got, you know, your, your London setting and your Switzerland and your France and, you know, it is global, globe trotting. And like I say, it is a nice uh, opening sequence. Bear in mind, like I say, we're talking nineteen seventies, thirty years ago, but you know, professional, looks good. Um, you know, you understand what it's there and it, you know, that opening sequence feeds nicely into obviously Hong Kong and the uh, and the
0: heist. What do you think of the um, the heist uh, sequence that uh, Stephen Shin starts uh, starts building?
1: I quite I quite enjoyed it. I quite the, enjoyed the beats in it, the way it's um, done, and it's repeated in the latter half of the film. But we'll get to that. But yeah, I I, I enjoyed um, the way it's set up and that whole heist that kept me. Entertain and what's going to happen because if you know the Thomas Crown affair you kind of know that you know what's involved in it and it's that's you know the prelude to this investigation so um you that's a main and integral part of that and you want to see how that pans out so I enjoyed um the way it played out and somewhat I would say the simplicity of it to a certain extent but yeah it was it was entertaining and it kept me it kept my me viewing and wanted to know what was going on so yeah i enjoyed it
0: yeah i, I agree because um he starts like creating that um, mildly pulse pounding uh, sense to it because it, 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 there's a heist brewing and he's doing it in in montage form a little bit we only get that quick bursts of how they are gonna craft the traffic jam that then's gonna lead to the armored transport being robbed and that, that's actually pretty well done. It's a tight sequence with lots of sort of quick cuts and quick bursts of action in and around a robbery. And there's no sign of George for mostly, you know, the opening 20s. We get Kent Cheng to dominate as well. And um, he's never really been um, slotted into bumbling fool only. I think Kent has always been recognized as a fine, fine actor. Mm -hmm. You know, his build didn't mean that he was like the butt of jokes constantly like an like an Eric Tsang would be yeah, in yeah. more movies than he might have been comfortable with but Kent has always been you know, a f- fantastic actor and I think he dominates well you know, as the cop here because he isn't necessarily foolish, he has some foolish moments but he's not um, no. the, the the stupid cop or anything, I mean he's even interrogating really smartly at one point because they they know that there's been Westerners that um, coming into Hong Kong and they've identified Westerners as being part of the crew that robs the transport. So he says at one point, uh, can you recognize anyone? He asks uh, one of the traffic cops and he (laughs) says, I can't differentiate Europeans from another Europeans. And what he does instead is he picks up the uh, jockey magazine a uh, racing magazine with pictures of all the famous jockeys and he t- he takes them off beat by beat that cop like that one that one that one so you say you can't recognize europeans eh and I, I like that. It, it's just nice, uh, nice sort of Ken Cheng moments here that shows that uh, he looks like a good cop, at any rate. You know. At
1: yeah, time. exactly. No, I had exactly, but I had uh, yeah, the uh, all Europeans look alike to me and stuff. And then he shows in the racing magazine. But you're right, Ken Cheng. I, I did, I did like him in this. He was, um, it was completely solid, believable. Yeah, yeah, the foolish side to him, but not not overly. Um, he just wanted to catch catch the bad guy and stuff and. Yeah, I quite I quite enjoyed him in that role. Um, he never does give a bad performance. I always brings a smile to my face when I see him in a movie because, like I say, I, I, I like him. So,
0: I mean, he's obviously been part of comedy, so you know yeah. he's seen Lucky Stars, Go Places. Uh, I think in a way, I think so. I never thought he was funny funny, but he's, he always have, has a great presence. I mean, arguably, he's. I hate to say it, and others have say others have said it too. That arguably he's probably one of the better actors to play the character of Lam Sai Wing in in the Wong Fei Hung universe. Uh, you know, um, uh, as Sammo did in Magnificent Butcher. But I, I love Ken Cheng as Lam Sai Wing in Once Upon a Time in China, and they they really utilize him well. Uh, it's not a fighting role through and through. But uh, it just adds to the professionalism of that movie, and it's it's not fair to compare it to Magnificent Butcher, of course, because they're they're not the same uh, Wong Fei Hung movie in intent. But uh, he is a great actor, pretty solid director too, and uh,
1: yeah, yeah, it's, I suppose it leads us nicely into um, there really there really is a, a massive talking point here on on how George George Lamb playing George Lamb um, would track down uh, a mastermind hoist criminal. Usually, usually, what happens? Uh, I don't know in police investigations on how that works, but I think George um, shows everybody what needs to be done to catch these masterminds uh, in this particular film. Ken,
0: well, you got to turn to your uh, mo- movie collection, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> and not it, this is not a DVD collection. It's nope. not a uh, reel-to-reel collection of movies, right? Nope. nope. It's on VHS and Laserdisc, and he's got a bunch of them.
1: <laughs> I can just hear the pure joy in your voice. Ah, you have so no nice. idea how happy I, I was. You do, you love it, you do.
0: <laughs> I don't know if the movies always matches up, if the clips are from 10 to Midnight and that movie that I didn't know of, uh, Top top um, Yeah. But, but he watches 48 hours at one point. Um, it, you know, it's just d- delightful, fun. Uh, at this point in Hong Kong cinema, you can expect a Laserdisc reference or two. Because, uh, you know, in other D M B romantic comedies, you had people working at a Laserdisc store. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Homer Simpson just.
1: Yeah, too much. Uh, drooling, drooling going on. Um, but yeah, if anybody recognises the movies around on the screen, because I had a look and I'm like, I'm not quite sure that he's to me. It looks like it could be. But God, my God, that Charles Bonson movie I saw in 25 years plus I suppose it's got to be longer than that hasn't it so I couldn't I couldn't recall maybe it is but um yeah it was classy it's, it's nice to see in it and you just uh, brings a smile to your face um, when you see things like that George does it again.
0: Uh, but but here's the thing, where it's good, his performance, is that he's, uh, he's calm and collected. He's not trying to over yeah, yeah. oversell and overdo his commercial image. It's, it's not like, hey, 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 I'm George, I'm the sexy insurance investigator. No, he just comes in there and goes to work and he has some nice verbal sparring with Kent Chang. And it's all very natural and uh, unassuming to a degree. It's not like, oh, gotta, gotta catch the bad guys, I'm doing my best! <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's very calm and collected and uh, I guess there's a a decent enough point that, uh, well, movies can bring us some truths, you know, in terms of uh, modus operandi or whatever. Uh, And uh, that's not a bad intro to George. And uh, the only sort of foolish moment with Ken Cheng is the fact that George makes him realize that that you gotta search people on the plane. There are in first class and are VIPs as well, and not just regular passengers. So he throws himself on the phone and like calling reinforcements, calling reinforcements, and then he he has misdialed. So it's like uh, he's a he's a little um, a bit too proactive and loses his mind when it's about uh, like go go go. Um, so so yeah, what do you think of the globe globe hopping? Is it uh, is it fun to see D&B pulling out all the stops and having us uh, having us in different locales or, or, don't, or it doesn't add anything as such?
1: Not not for me. I'd like it more grounded. And and this is this is the problem now, isn't it? Because when you get to the point of when uh, Michelle Yeoh and then and George Lamb meet, that's where it kind of unfortunately that you want that chemistry to elevate it and it doesn't. It kind of it doesn't get to where you need it to be, and the globe trotting it just doesn't it doesn't work. Um, in fact, it's just a it, it's a distraction from where you want it to be, rather than you know it, okay you're putting there you're Switzerland you're doing the skiing thing and you know it shows he's a high flight, he takes risks and you get that and it's nice and it's uh, it just for me it just didn't gel enough it didn't work enough it wasn't you know I could see what you know he was trying to do with it but you know, and, and was, as nice as it was, but I didn't quite, it was too much, maybe.
0: Why I think it's acceptable the way the geography changes and the different around this we're in. It, it, it's acceptable up to a point, uh, which I'll explain, because I, I don't mind Seeing Michelle do what she does. I don't mind seeing George sort of hone in on her and trying to get close to her. And uh, because he, he's doing that in a sort of non verbal way, I suppose. And while he's doing his investigations, he's calm and collected, and that's okay. And even when he's in her hotel. Room and he has used a phone that actually has a redial function on it. Yes, it's an old movie, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah so no, actually it's
1: redial. A... yeah. And you look at that thing, go Yeah, I know redial, everybody knows redial. What are you talking about? And you go, Ah, it's 1987, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah,
0: all they're, they're playing with each other, and that's sort of okay as well. It starts to run into problems when we reach this point because now we got a centerpiece of. Can he, should he get close to her? Like, uh, she's likable, but he shouldn't. And the more we see them, the less the sort of interplay and in the exterior of uh, George Lamb, for instance, it feels less fresh the more we see him. And uh, they're not particularly syncing up together. This sort of interplay is not fun or filled with any tension as such and and you know minor spoiler but i I couldn't see the sort of the, the journey george takes towards finding her attractive and liking her and being conflicted i couldn't see or feel that it's way too vague and anonymous that sort of moral center that clearly is supposed to be there because we're dealing with uh, you know, so someone needs to be torn in terms of loyalty and stuff, and yeah. all, all of that feels so anonymous as the longer the movie runs. And I was kind of sad to see that because Michelle sort of looks good; she she looks glamorous. She has a mystique about her, and I, I was happy to see her in this role. And the, the fact that it's so new this role for her that she feels a little green doing it—it's okay. She's doing yeah. she's doing good, but gelling with George which, you know, I, I'm not saying all George's fault 100%, but, you know, sometimes performers don't when it's supposed to be a little bit more impactful. And when we don't get that, which is evident, quite mid-movie, two-thirds in, uh, I I knew the movie was into, uh, was into troubled waters because Stephen Chin is in building and building and try and reaching a boiling point with this uh, relationship and uh, her admitting the guilt and all of that. And that needs to be a little bit more pulse pounding and it's got to reach a boiling point. And I felt that less and less as the movie ran. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and it was interesting because if you think about it at the time, if you'd watched it at the time and, and going back to obviously Michelle Yeohs because it was, what, I don't know, about a fifth movie in or something. And probably up to that point, she was probably more tomboys and it was all fine scene. I mean, this would have been completely uh, come out of left field for some people to see her in that role. But you know what, she handles it quite well, and she she scrubs up quite well. We we all know that anyway. But she does, you know, on screen and stuff. All of a sudden, you would have seen her in completely a different role, and that would have given it some some uh, people would have shied away because obviously she's not doing the kung fu and the flipping and all that. But actually, she she plays it quite well in that role. And I, like I say, I really enjoyed the fact that she's in that role rather than playing the investigator. So. That's a, a nice nod. But you know what? She isn't too bad. It's just a shame. just the shame that George Lambs there. Yeah, a little bit because it needed a stronger actor to help her and to shine and have that chemistry. And that's what you need, that chemistry going forward. Because, you know, a movie can have a multitude of mistakes in it and stuff. But I clearly remember the Thomas Crane affair had that spark. You wanted to find out whether that spark would, you know, become more than just a spark. And that's the trouble with this it's nice, and George is nice, you know, Michelle's nice, but there isn't the spark that you want there to be to carry that film in its entirety.
0: Yeah, his performance style is not a bad choice, that he's uh, that he's keeping calm and collected, that's all fine, because he he, he can't give a game away, that is who is, but uh, in those areas that you talked about, it needs to break through. Ironically, when it starts to sort of uh, hint at the ongoing procedural with Ken Cheng and the hunt, and we get a second heist. Technically, Stephen Chin the director, still pulls that off fairly well. You know, uh, those sequences still is something he seems confident at, and uh, and having Ken Cheng at at that center, you know, it becomes interesting and and believable. Might not be word, but it might not be the word, but. I, I didn't mind that center at all but that doesn't mean that all of a sudden the George and Michelle sections rise from the depths and all of a sudden take a step step up because the walls keep closing in and all of that and while, while it doesn't seem like it, it goes for pure romance, they like each other clearly and when they hang out and they, uh, they happen upon this sort of a, a barbecue party those are supposed to be like oh my god they really have taken a, you know, liking to each other, and that it's it sort of I, I felt very neutral towards that, and I shouldn't feel neutral towards it because it's an ongoing plot where she's committed a huge crime.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> and, yeah,
0: <laughs> and uh, you know, she 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 has some fun scenes where she uh, she crafts uh, chaos and outsmarts the cops, and I love that, but it's not enough because uh, the movie isn't just her obviously as we um, as we just established
1: and then there are you know you took about the same way you know out, out i you know the the cops uh the restaurant scene with the bomb and she sets you up and you can see what's coming and it's a nice little scene and you know it works quite well and you know obviously ken, ken comes across as the bumbling cop again but you know that works quite well but like i say when you get that far into the story, the thing is, it should be about the sparkle between them, and not about everything else. And as good as that is, and like you say, you know, as as good as Steven Chen is in in the fact that he's creating that in the heist, and probably you know that's where you see all that good stuff. They create the the chemistry between the two. That's what is missing from it, and that's what would have elevated it, um, especially the second half. After the movie into something you know better better than it was because like i say there's nice little nods there and there's nice little things going on but you know you just wanted something a bit more going forward
0: i i, I agree and, and also without spoiling it too much by that point i started to tune out and i was unclear that it was heading for a twist and the twist that we did get and the way it wrapped wrapped up the story plus the fact that uh, the connection clearly isn't theirs so i've signed off on that fact by now and i combining all of these things phil and I, I might be totally stupid but i thought it got really muddled in terms of where the twist came from and what they were revealing to us and co- coupled that with the fact that they're not an engaging couple and then the quick wrap-up i was sort of left very unful- unfulfilled even with the twist of it all you
1: know i know i yeah and i was surprised by the twist Uh, i i enjoyed it but you're right i lost at the the, at the point where where did that twist come into play where where all of a sudden was that going to happen because it didn't seem like it was going to happen then okay i'm not expecting like hollywood doing you know telegraph that for a mile off but how at what point did that was that gonna because it didn't seem like it was gonna be that way i kind of get it and I, and I kind of get where it got going to, but like I say, you wouldn't have cared, and you would have probably enjoyed it if the sparkle was there. He was just missing the sparkle. So it's just sh- a
0: little bit way way too uh, vague, even. Um, yeah, exactly. Because uh, we, we can say this, but that twist isn't a, a huge reveal between George and Michelle, and we go, "Oh my god, what did he say? What did she say?" It's uh, something external from that.
1: Even the presence of uh, uh, Dennis Chen on screen, um, which I love. I mean, my my God, has that man sold his soul to the devil and always looks the age of sixty constantly? But, yeah, I couldn't uh, lift my spirits either. So, um, <laughs> yeah, by the time the end of the film, like you say, uh, and maybe same here, maybe we wasn't really paying attention as we should because, you know, unfortunately, you know, that chemistry wasn't there to keep us enthralled towards, you know, its uh, its conclusion.
0: Uh, some, of the, some of the supporting cast is fun to sort of spot, of course. Uh, Ku Feng has a nice little role as a stressed-out Hong Konger as part of the uh, as part of the heist, um, and uh, I like that. He's, um, Chan Ging, famous from Long Arm of the Law and those kind of movies. He appears as a somewhat dim-witted uh, cop, uh, part of uh, Ken Cheng's crew. Uh, we see Blackie Ko for a little bit, which, which was nice. Uh, it uh, has some nice... Uh, cast uh, 80s cast spotting to do and I, if i'm not mistaken and please correct me if i am wrong but this was michelle Yeoh's last movie for a while and i think she married the head of dmb which was dixon poon and yeah, presumably not presumably but i don't know if they divorced and that meant she went back to movies because her next movie was super cop
1: it was yeah five years in between wasn't it so
0: but but I don't know if that was uh, her saying I want to get back in movies and he said well fine you know <laughs> then yeah
1: see you later then love thanks
0: so do inform us uh, if you know anything about that but but I know I, I I'm fairly certain that her marriage meant the acting career was put on hold and she became a wife at that point uh, you know
1: that's it yeah yeah Dixon Poole telling to stop at home and uh, cook the dinners did, um, Pop did not didn't say down
0: that well. did not say that. <laughs> <laughs> I simply don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> hi, but but hi, we hi, do male.
0: know uh, that fact that I don't know if it's an Asian thing necessarily, but it, we have the examples of uh, when actors do marry, they retreat from the spotlight, um, whether by own choice or not. It's just one of those things. Well, this is my new chapter in life now. And yeah. Um, that's not feasible or logical to combine with um, being in the entertainment business, and probably many actresses are fine with that. Yeah. Uh, so it because it happens quite a bit. Um.
1: If you think about a film, so obviously she came back and she did Police Story three and stuff. So you know Jackie must have come back, but I think then the year after she probably had a most prolific year. She had just about five or six films in that, because obviously, heroic trio and um, executions come out. I love those movies. Tai Chi Master. There were there was a fair few. She th- must have thrown herself into her work for that for that year. Some classic movies, but um.
0: But what a comeback! You know.
1: Yeah, proper. What a comeback, indeed. Yeah. We probably won't skip over to a few years later when she did *Shelley Popeye*, but never mind.
0: Ah, that's a fun movie. It's a way, <laughs> it's way better than the first one. I'll tell you that much. Because uh, oh, when yeah. she did *Shelley Popeye* two, <laughs> at least it had some trademark Chiu and Ping craziness. But the fir- the first one is just kids comedy with kids at center, and that wasn't good enough. So *Shelley Popeye* two, I I dare you to to trash it again. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Oh, oh I let you have it, Ken. Thanks.
0: I'm dictate. I'm dictating that you should not. Yes, have an opinion. Like
1: you <laughs> will like this film.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Got that on Laserdisc, goddammit. I'm not sure George Lamb had that on Laserdisc. So <laughs> yeah. I'm better than George.
1: He might have done for all his for all his uh, good efforts. And, and so that's that's it with Easy Money. And that's the thing. It starts off really well, and, and George is good in his laid back approach. And I totally agree that you know he's not he's not overacting it and stuff but when it comes to the when you need him to be there and be that main star and act it isn't it doesn't provide that chemistry that's required for that role and anybody else unfortunately would have lifted the movie and i have to blame blame george you know i wouldn't for the first half cuz he's perfectly fine and he's great but when he's got a stretch to something more um it just it isn't there and that's what acting's about just to stretch,
0: you you sort of see where I'm coming from with my yeah. mostly immature, but you know it, it is in reality. This is my view on George that he can it, it when it doesn't work, it sort of comes up like this, and yeah, it's it makes me dislike. Him and movies because of that because it needs to be better and uh, does. he he isn't uh, he isn't uh, up to the task at all times uh, and this is one of, this is one of those cases
1: exactly uh, and 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 for me I walked away from the movie going you know I'll oh bless it wasn't his day it was the first good half and stuff you know it, it's lame and stuff but you know on reflection and and seeing what more he could have been and stuff I find it was it was lame it has to be because he didn't hold up his end of the bargain. As they say,
0: one half is not good enough.
1: No, indeed, it needs to be a whole, my friend—a whole, mm-hmm.
0: a whole lamb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coming back to the lamb chop thing again. Yeah, <laughs> we gotta get him in now. Hey. And as for availability of Easy Money, the Joy Sales DVD reissue seems unavailable at the moment and ditto for the older Universe DVD that we watched, um, so it's it's a little bit hard to get a hold of it uh, despite it being uh, issued on DVD at least twice. Uh, the latter uh, DVD that I mentioned uh, that I own, it features a remix that sometimes annoys because um, in one scene there's a lot of camera clicks and stuff and they... they feel like well we got to replace those sounds but it is mostly an actionless film so they don't have much to remix uh, to begin with so if you find a universe dvd for a reasonable price, then it looks and sounds okay. Uh, okay, that's uh, easy. Money done and dusted. The revises for me, but uh, I didn't change my opinion that much. And uh, yeah, it is what it is. But uh, after a break, uh, we're going to watch a movie. We have already, but we're going to discuss a movie that I had not seen before. And it's called Shanghai Shanghai from 1990. It reunites George Lamb and Terry Robin, but Terry Robin is this time off screen because he is the director of Shanghai Shanghai. And uh, we'll be right back to talk about it. And welcome back, and the second movie that we're going to review this episode of the George Lam Defaming Sessions is Shanghai, Shanghai, from 1990, a plot from the Far East Films review of the film. Uh, Yun Biu plays Little Tiger, who is thrust into the danger and corruption of 1930s Shanghai, and he does that as he looks for his uh, older brother, who's a prominent policeman, who is naturally a big tiger, played by George Lam, so he's not looking for George Lam in this movie, as played by George Lam. Little Tiger is looking for Big Tiger, so it makes sense. Soon after finding his sibling, uh, Little Tiger becomes unwittingly embroiled in a local gang battle as he intervenes in a nightclub fire and befriends a traveling opera troupe. With these newfound friends, Little Tiger soon gets a reputation as someone whose fighting skills make him a tricky customer and he forms an uneasy alliance with Shanghai's main crime head, played by Sammo Hung. Conflict soon arrives, though, when Little Tiger's brother reveals his own plans, the policeman does, to oppose the resident uh, powers uh, oppressing the people, and uh, he wants to wipe away the corruption from the city of Shanghai. And this leads to an inevitable showdown between honorable and the corrupt of the vibrant city. So, Phil, in short, uh, this is a rewatch for you. So, in short, uh, what do you want to say about uh, Shanghai Shanghai? You,
1: you know what? Um, It's probably... It's probably how I felt about it back then because reminiscing and it's good to look back at films and put them on again, especially if you're like me, the collection you've got, you don't don't revisit these films a lot. So revisiting, I felt the same pangs of, I couldn't wait till the end again to some expect Mm -hmm. because of the fight scene that I knew was coming up and I couldn't wait and there was nothing better in the movie than that. But stepping through the movie again was interesting to, to bring those feelings up. So... It's solid, it's not, Um, and I think probably what I felt about at the time, we're expecting a little bit more from it, from an action point of view, that's kind of what I was looking at and stuff, and you get that towards the end uh, in abundance, but up to that point, it misses some beats here and there, but when you're looking at it from an actor's point of view, from George's point of view, you know, it's not all, all bad. Um, um, you can say i'm on the fence against with it i enjoyed the movie um because i knew where it was going coming back and reminiscing so yeah i I enjoyed it
0: it's so unfair in a way but it's obviously my fault that you you start from the point well well he's not all bad which means you sort of expect that he's always gonna be bad (laughs) and poor george what are we doing to him slash He has nothing to worry about, really. (laughs) Uh, He's a a big boy, he can take it and he'll never hear this anyway. I sort of agree. It's a likeable production that wants and does stand out professionally. It has the backdrop of 1930s Shanghai replicated with nice production design and costume design. Those advantages uh, will present themselves when you design a movie around this era. So that's clinched, but in general, I think it's a little bit of an unremarkable film. It sits in the middle in terms of the quality from everyone involved, including George. Um, I, I've, I felt quite disconnected from most characters and relationships and uh, e- at times it felt even mildly episodic as George and Yumbu exits and then it's Sam and Anita Moy's movie for a while and then they come back and uh, the, the sporadic action aspects they do light up the screen, including the ending, and they are high quality and, uh, but, but um, we don't get a lot of it to sort of tide us over if you will it's an easy watch the effort is there all round, but it's also unremarkable and it does not linger afterwards as a film so it, it is impressive looking uh, without being miracles millionaires express epic or what do you think of how how teddy robin uh uh, gets the technicals of uh, qualities. Uh, the, does he get them right with uh, production design and costume design and stuff?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, Teddy Robbie nails it. I mean, you know, as he generally does, to be fair to him, but he does Shanghai 30s. He looks it, he feels it, you know, you see it costume-wise, set-wise. You, you're engrossed within that time period. Absolutely. You know, he absolutely nails it, to be honest. I like that kind of era as well, and he, you know, he captures that perfectly well.
0: And he was not a an inexperienced director for one, but certainly his this is his third movie. He did the sequel to All the Wrong Clues called All the Wrong Spies, and then uh, The Legend of Wisely from nineteen eighty seven. And The Legend of Wisely is a big movie, very impressive looking, great special effects. Uh, stars Sam Hoy as that character Wisely that um, Y C Lee has played and that Andy Lau has played, um, and so it's a recurring character and stuff. So. He's uh, he can do this, and uh, you get a sense of the production design being uh, quality all round. But it's not a showcase; it's not he's not there to show off with with shots that just screams, "I got a you know technical hard on for things and I'm going to show it for ninety minutes and forget about everything else." No, it's there, but you get immersed into it, and um, and you get introduced to characters, including you and But obviously, George has a curious intro where he um, seems to be. A bit of an on-the-edge policeman because he uh, he risks the, the the person he's gonna arrest in his own life at the beginning of the movie by, by shooting down that, uh, that rope bag of things and he gets out of the way of it and it seems like he's gonna be like, Doc George, I'm on the edge, man. Like, don't fuck with me. <laughs> but... <laughs> but- you know that th- th- that doesn't scream George Lime is correct for that role, but it's a curiously loud intro for his character, where he's like, "Sir, I'm I'm super confident. I'm gonna get out of the way of that thing." You're
1: right. I, I dismissed it as well at the beginning, but you're right. It is quite of a-, a dark. You know, he's got him there. Suspect shoots his rope down. He's gonna fall, and then he-, he jumps across and kicks him out of the way of it and stuff. You know, saving his life and his own at the same time. And you're right. He's kind of a dark, on the edge character, and stuff. So that's certainly- soon soon disas disasbated. Dis- dis- so I want. Worry about that too much, but you'd like it to be, you know, you'd like it to be um all of a sudden taking that dark turn. Alan Tan did it. We, we know we, we did that one, but you know, all of a sudden, maybe, maybe there's hope at the start of the film that it is. But you're right, there is a, a darker tone. I, uh, you know, a kind of cup on the edge, and the, you know,
0: but but it's not this um tyrant in terms of I'm going to get the law. Uh, law accomplished my way. Now that dissipates as you very correctly said and uh, and, and also, you know, because they are brothers, you gotta talk you and beau for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Always likable. He's got yeah. this innocent energy energy. He is a physically gifted performer as we all know. So that combo is never not likable. And he walks into these situations uh, as we see him uh, trying to save Leed's character, and he helps, and uh, he's uh, a noble character. And I can't say I dislike him in this movie, he's just part of a movie where he does his very, very best, and his tr- transition to a more of a proactive character that has morals and ethics, it's... Probably along with Samo and Anita. Well, well, that trio, is, they're all pretty solid. Um, so I didn't really dislike anything Yumbu Yung, did. But a, as with Michelle, if you go into this movie expecting Yumbu to just light up the screen left and right with acrobatics and kicking, it's not really how the movie is designed for anyone until the ending. Although Yumbu gets a little bit before and some stunts and stuff, but um, its it certainly isn't the headliner thing here. No, and and
1: that's where the and I'm gonna oh, oh, I hate saying this because I love Yimbiu, I really do. I love him, and at the end scene it justifies everything. So he'll forgive me for it, but he isn't the lead character, and I think if everybody's honest, we know that he doesn't light up the screen. You could have anybody playing that role, and then give them the the you know you want to see yimbu and. And Sammo face off, obviously, because that's that's what well from an action fan, that's perfect and stuff. But you could have anybody step into that role and play that with and give it more gravitas to a certain extent. He does well with what he's given because it's in Buu, you just want him to be you know kicking ass and taking names throughout the movie and that that isn't what happens
0: well well, well the problem arrives when the movie turns out to be episodic in terms of it 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 it, it uh, leaves certain characters off screen for quite a while and then they come back and i i, I was kind of curious about why they even employ that structure because it felt like oh yeah that person was in this movie too like oh yeah george was in this movie Uh, oh john bue was in this movie and all of that where george's this is not his fault this is the writer's fault a head-scratching aspect of this movie and of george's character is not that he seems to be this on the edge policeman but that he seems to be the greatest inventor in the world (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i was looking at that okay he says that oh, I've invented. Uh, I'm, I'm working on a, a flying machine, and I've invented the telescope, and I've invented a voice scrambler. So he's sort of Q char- a Q character, and I was waiting for the joke. But Teddy Robino and no one acknowledges that this is ludicrous, that George is this awesome inventor that's also the chief policeman or colonel of, of the city, and that, my friend, is troublesome because they don't justify that aspect of George's character and translate that into fun energy. It's mildly light, mostly straight, not deadly serious, but straight. And I thought I was hugely problematic because I, I was left befuddled. Well, because if you talk about it, like George and his flying machine, it sounds cute, but it isn't fun as depicted, Phil. You know what I mean? I have in my notes
1: uh, the several. Flying again, flying again flying again i I I don't know why you like saying i don't get it i don't get what a writer would put that down and it makes sense as a movie this is um i think it was raymond or whatever that that wrote this afterwards he wrote um zodiac killers with andy lowe what a great movie He, he didn't put flying machines in that one did he
0: and a very good director as well
1: yeah why would you why would you do that and think it makes sense as he's an inventor it's not the fact that that's fine but he doesn't yeah okay we we know in the movie and stuff why and the, and the whole thing comes to fruition but still it doesn't cohesively fit together to make any sense
0: because the tone isn't crazy as they start to rattle off this character depiction right like it's more like it's what i do but it, but these are serious times too I'm like no 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 that doesn't fit man that doesn't fit
1: Exactly, it doesn't fit, it. Do you? have got, and, and here's one of that, and it's at the start of the movie, so discussing and stuff, and I like the scene of, obviously, when uh, Little Brother and Big Brother, you know, meet Yimbyu and George Lamb, you know, and, and Yimbyu jumps the wall and over that minefield, and you've got that kind of, again, that Hitchcockian kind of slow-mo thing going on. It's good, but again, he doesn't quite fail. It's not as good as, you know, um, Jackie Chan did in Police Story 2, that slow-mo, that, you know, willy-wonty and stuff, which is fucking epic. And they kind of doing this, but again, it doesn't, it kind of falls flat. You give it, so all of a sudden, there's that quirkiness there, there's that drama there, there's that, they're trying to put some tenseness into it, there's the action there. It just seems a little bit muddled, and as you say, people coming and going uh, throughout the movie. If it had stuck to one thing and it's, and its whole set, and it's Shanghai 1930s, and this kind of gangster thing and um, with one other element thrown in and kept the characters on screen i think it would have worked out a lot better
0: i agree because i i, I wasn't of the history lesson and i know hong kong movies can be wild and all over the all over the place and that could be fun but yeah. the, 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 yeah. there's a argument here for that this doesn't work uh, combining all of these things um the dynamic between the brothers initially as that minefield scene plays out, you you, you sort of hope that, that that's going to be a good contrasting thing. But again, I saw it like two days ago, but it felt like they weren't on screen that much together. They, they had separate stories too, and that prevented uh, memory being cemented in my head of what that relationship was like. And yeah. and, and I guess George is, is sort of... He's fine working this, but I, I I sort of blame the writers too that they 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 give they give them confusing material to work with uh, that yeah. uh, m- might not have felt like it shooting it, but when they assembled the movie, it's like well, okay, he's uh, he's an inventor. Well, I guess that now makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we have the movie said so. So um, it it it's sort of problematic, but um uh i'll get back to some george notes in terms of whether this is he's acceptable or not at the end of at the end of the review if i'm honest because i want to talk about anita Moy. add within your well-costumed film a fetching style icon like anita Moy was and your movie takes a step up in my opinion because if you cut co- if you co- put like these costumes on her yeah. her presence, her very iconic presence, uh, which just merges so well with the 1930s uh, setting, as we also saw in Miracles, the Jackie Chan movie. Yeah. That's what she's good, but in a way what I just described is good enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because she looks so fetching, man. And uh, but, but she actually she and her parts are more in line with the serious brewing revolutionary part of the movie which i thought was better especially when she was at center stage a little bit and uh, probably the strongest performer if we talk uh, performance but there's a little surprise for those who didn't expect it at the end that uh, that she's going to be part of uh, what not just the director does but what the action directors do as well but uh, we'll get to that but what do you think of anita because uh, what i described sounds like very I like her by default, but the, the, there is something to me that where, where she appears in these period movies that she just pops. Ah, oh,
1: yeah, but you, you now it, though, didn't it's, it? She is, uh, bless her, and God rest her soul, she was one of those people that comes on stage and Sparkles again. We talk about lack of sparkle, let's talk about the sparkle, let's talk about the je ne sais quoi, let's talk about... When she comes onto the screen, your eyes all of a sudden light up because she's there. And especially in a period piece like this, in that, you know, costume and set design and stuff where she just fits straight in, you know, and she pings from the screen and you know, it's wonderful to see her on screen and stuff. You know, regardless of what the movie's like, she elevates it all of a sudden. It's same it's the same for uh, I can imagine for you with Anita and a lot of people, as it may for for and Sammo Hong when they start fighting. All of a sudden, your eyes pop. You you can't wait, and it's just mouth watering. And that's what she does. So she just needs to walk on the screen, and you know that's it. She's got that je ne sais quoi, and she elevates it. And then certainly in this piece, she looks you know fabulous. So in my book, she can't put a foot wrong.
0: Then when the story dictates that. If I understood it correctly, I might have misunderstood it that uh, George's character and Anita Moy's character had a romantic history, but he also had a romantic history with the character that Chen Yu plays. When that becomes in a stage george is not necessarily asked to like dominate and carry the screen but he's there. To, the character is supposed to carry himself with dignity and he's an authoritarian so that's good but as we said in the easy money review you have to break out with some impact despite because now teddy robin is staging scenes where there's longing looks between performers and that should echo a history that we should feel and that then should have scenes later where they either you know re-emerge as a couple and realize they are meant for each other or they don't and that's also a dynamic that isn't uh, something that lingers afterwards not gonna put that entirely on george but it's i'm gonna put that on, on on writers or maybe the skill of the director or or the way too crowded uh, sort of uh, uh movie that this is because the, the romantic side of the movie certainly did not pop for me at all but i i I recognize that, okay, these scenes with longing looks, they're there for a purpose, and they're not particularly working very well.
1: If you're given a, a, a yeah, you're right, and you're absolutely right. So you could go down two ways, and I, I'm going to go more <clears throat> in favor of onside for George for this one. Although you could argue that as a writer and stuff, you give this, and then the director gets the best out of you, and, you get, and you're go, you given that and go, there you go, and now explore this and explore that character and be that, and give me that, and give me more, and give me some of this, because I expect, depending on the direction you're given, but you know why in this case I just don't think there was enough for George to work with, bless him, Um, so I'm not going to particularly blame him for it, I don't think, I think because of the way the movie was, there wasn't enough there for him to do something with, bearing in mind what George is like, so um, I'm going to put it down more to the writing and direction, um, particularly on George's character, just not having enough time on screen to kind of develop that and get that kind of spot on I think
0: and I'll um, actually have those notes a little bit later for my ultimate tally if you will of his performance even though I've hinted at it Uh, as for Teddy's further storytelling he keeps it measured, he he doesn't like throw out huge exposition dumps at us, uh, character speak of where they feel China is going, that the invading forces are coming and we need to stand up as a people so that, you know, communicated, uh, the revolutionary angle is communicated. And that whole uh, undercover operation where George and his partner are at this uh, meeting where Anita Moy is uh, holding a a rally of sorts. It's um, it's a botched undercover operation, which is uh, not fun, but fine. The problem that also arises here now where they're fleeing and stuff you you have this um wrinkle of oh my god she's revolutionary but we we have a connection what do we do you know and uh the, we're now we're now oppositions and
1: i know i know what you're saying but let's let's cut to the chase here if she's standing there in all her shoulder plaided glory standing there wait, with a thin veil of <laughs> lace over her face you're not telling me that poor George doesn't recognise
0: who that is. Now, come on, George, Mido, it was Teddy's t- Teddy. Teddy, I wanted to communicate it this way.
1: I mean, you can't blame George. No one
0: will ever know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they won't know Teddy was saying to George, "Really, George is saying." So you can see the expression on his face going, "I can't believe this."
0: The, this wrinkle of oppositions as this is introduced is something that doesn't quite gel as either. Um, again, not putting putting it all on. On George but uh, it's supposed to mean a little bit more for the movie uh, and albeit George gets two sort of cool moments that that we discussed and also when he pulls a gun on Louis Roth where he he stands by his principles you know including protecting his family you know that's a badass moment, but two badass moments is not quite enough because uh, because even if we get his stand, uh, you know, uh, the characters or morals and ethics on on display, and and the thing for George is he's verging on being like it, it's okay, but he's not um, he's not quite there, and you have to make these difficult decisions within this show context, our podcast context, okay. So because I was conflicted and verging mainly is not good enough because the inventor plot sort of ruins things. It's not neither well integrated or fun. And because they play it with this detached tint, i.e. they're not treating it as this colonel as a crazy little side machine in world, he wants to create a flying machine, they, they play that straight and therefore I felt so disconnected from that and the former lovers, they don't feel disconnected, especially as they fly away in that sequence, you know the special effects sequence where George and his uh, lady friend are flying away and, and they, they're connected, it's neither fun nor impactful, it's sort of like a little quirky... Excused upon flight of fancy, you know. And for George, it's when when the performance doesn't click to an enough extent, whether it's his fault or not, you have to make that difficult decision whether he's acceptable or not. And in my case, I, I think it's not. It, it isn't breaking through to an enough extent. Uh, and 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 by the end, when he comes into the action piece of it all, I thought I was ludicrous, man.
1: <laughs> George Lambeau goes Rambo.
0: You know, as you said, they've built up the fact that you can't just leave the inventions and the flying machines alone. But I thought that was completely stupid, man. And not because it was George sitting there in the plane, and not at all. But it to take his character on that journey, I just felt was well, that sealed the deal, man, and it's not his fault.
1: But it still sealed exactly. the deal you got to love it. You? When George Lamb comes, crashes to the window on one of his inventions with a with a, a machine gun, a mounted machine gun on it. Now, that would just drop the plane, the, the weight of that anyway. But let's say they're massacring an entire police force. Yep, You've got to love that. I mean, don't get me wrong. In that's...
0: concept, yes. But in the whole coherent way you look at the movie, I don't think this matches tone at all with the rest of the movie it's great fun to just have violence man
1: by that point it like i say it just didn't go with the tone of the movie you're just alone for the ride because at that point you're just like you know what? i'm gonna take anything that comes my way <laughs> give me any fun
0: give me any fun yeah just
1: give me anything but we certainly do um after that point because it just comes obviously into its own the characters uh going into the final obviously part of the film so
0: well, uh, let's talk of the action finale then, so uh, because uh, if this movie has like a highlight reel moments, it certainly happens here during the action finale. So the floor is yours. Uh, Samo doesn't uh, go actionless in this movie, as it turns no, out.
1: No, no. So you've got uh, Samo going head to head with the Biu. In a nice uh one on one. The action directors, uh Lamb and stuff. I think uh, Corey Yen.
0: Corey was listed as well as Yum Tucker.
1: Listed as well as was Dion. So um and they do uh, just they do a fine job. You know, it's mouthwarming stuff. Yumby and Sam Hong fighting on screen. When they're fighting each other, man, I love that sequence. Oh, I've got that tape somewhere with a, a musical montage somewhere, I've got you know, and it's one of the fight scenes I put on that I loved from way back in the in the late 80s, and the 90s, um, this fight sequence between them, because it's just so good.
0: Let, uh, let me ask you something, uh, because I have it in my notes, but I, I wanted to elaborate on it. Does it ever get old seeing Sammo just kick into gear and with the trademark powerful nature that he delivers to action? Does that ever get old?
1: No. No, it's just every time we watch it, it's just joy. I, 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 I love revisiting and watching it because I know what I'm going to see. And you just, you know what you're going to get and that power. And in this scene, it's perfectly crafted and that perfect, that powerful, that, you know, that beast of a man, that samurai is. And he comes across and he portrays in the accuracy action scene really well against Yumbio, the acrobat and the flipper, which again, he portrays. They play to both their strengths, fighting off against each other. And you got the little bit, you know, a comedy in between. You know, when he asks him to wait and stuff, he says, what for? And he rubs himself and goes, well, it hurts. It's the whole Richard Norton thing. I mean, it's that, that, that craft, that play with it. It's play with it. And they do play with it, but they play to their strengths. I mean, like I say, price of admission alone, you just you buy the DVD just for that fight scene. My God, it's pure, pure gold
0: yeah it's he it certainly never gets old seeing the power and mo and the ability of movement of this big guy like he's he's big but he's in you know he's not he's not fat and like a slouch or anything but it never st- gets old to know that and see that he has these acrobatic powers skills rather samo and and he's able to convey this power on screen meaning that it's you know it's contact here and there, of course, but uh, it, it never gets old to just see it come out of the blue like a lightning strike and someone just flies across the frame and boom, we're into trademark Samo Power. And at, I can't think of a movie where I thought that was old hat or anything. Even in the worst of the 90s movies, there was always some stuff in there. I'm sure there's some great stuff in Don't Give a Damn, which is a yeah. Latin movie and speaking of another Yim movie with Sammo. Mm-hmm. That's not the sole highlight because the action director's they involve Anita Moy to an extent too. So what do you think of Anita Moy's action scene and how she is integrated into
1: it's nice in it? I mean there's some there's some real great I mean, one for a Anita Moy is that like, her legs are being flashed all over the place, which let's face it, <laughs> I particularly enjoyed. And I don't know there's a lot of people out there that will, both boys and girls. Marvellous. Quick editing, nicely done. It looks good. It's nice. It's crisp as they do and stuff. There's a nice couple of uh, scenes in there, stunt scenes and stuff. Obviously, potentially not a uh, flipping through the pillars. I mean, it's just delightful little sequence. I rewind it and watch it again. It's just, it's just great.
0: Well, well you know what the genius thing is that it's designed around minimal doubling, but it yes. isn't slow and exactly. it, it, it isn't like instead of doing 15 moves, she's only going to do two because she's only able to do two. Not at all. They actually go for it quite well. And she is in 90% of it. Yeah,
1: I would say, looking at it, I've I've looked, you know. Even even the the wire shots, you know, even
0: the the wire shots where she kicks, uh, you know, uh, to the left and right at the same time.
1: Yeah, yeah and don't get me wrong she isn't doing you know massive roundhouse kicks to the head and stuff you know this is you know but it, it 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 works really well for the scene it looks really good she looks good they make her look like she knows what she's doing and you know what for anybody that wouldn't know they they think wow she look like a martial artist that she is as they do they can make anybody look great and she looks i mean she looks marvelous anyway but let's face it it's like you know a wet dream come true she's fucking fighting people and she's on, and she's on the screen as well i'm like fucking i'm loving it you know i'm loving it. And I'm loving it again. You know, God, you know, she is so great in that role. But And, and kudos to the action directors there because they make her look so good um, just by the, the, the sequence in itself. Um, and she's letting them off one by one. You know, this is how good I am. And so I, it's, it's marvelous. Like I say, worth the price of admission alone. If you're an action fan, if you are, you know, you're going to love that. That last sequence, it's just marvelous.
0: Indeed. And uh, I can't uh, say anything else, but I wholeheartedly agree on that. And uh, worth the price of admission because it's a short movie, too. So it's not like just because it's a a period epic that Teddy extends it to two hours or anything. No, so, you know, thankfully it's short. Two out of three elements of the finale are really great. And then you got the third element of the plane. Uh, flying indoors and all of that, as we spoke, spoke about. But uh, and and also it has a laugh at the cripple type of ending where everybody laughs at the cripple. <laughs> That's yeah, Hong Kong yeah. cinema all laugh for you.
1: At the <laughs> I should do. Yeah, there's a couple you watch it again with a bit more intensity and stuff. There's that, you know, there's <laughs> the massacre in the police force must have massacred the same lot of people several times. And in fact, I do see Anita Moy shot one person, but two people fell down at one stage. There's, there's things like like going on, but you know what? It doesn't take away the enjoyment of the at the end. And, you know, we get to, like I say, laugh of the cripple at the end, which is, you know, it's how every movie should uh, should finish.
0: And my final note is: I love Kirk Wong's uh, support, support, yes. thing, performers. Kirk yes. Wong, when he acted, and this is the director Kirk Wong of Crime Story and so forth. Brilliant. He, there was no better, I think, than Kirk Wong in terms of playing openly bad guys and loving it, loving it. And he is, uh, he has a nice scene with Sammo as they, uh sort of verbally spar, and uh, Sammo clearly isn't this. Uber evil gangster boss, which Kirk is, you know, he's the maniacally laughing villain. And uh, I, I like that acting bit. And Kirk is the big one versus Samuel, sort of. Um, uh, he's uh, a bit uh, calmer and he stands his ground. He tries to stand his ground. And uh, Kirk is just that kind of character. In, a la- in his next to last scene, you can see him laughing his butt off uh, while on opium, You're smoking opium, having a ball. and there's no better than Kirk to do that sadly not in the movie through and through it's just amazing I don't think Kirk planned this but they sort of just put him in movies and he responded to playing villains and all of that and uh, having a ball doing so and uh, uh, as much as I love him as a director to see him uh, light it up on screen is is a joy so
1: you're right you know just that he he just plays it so well doesn't he I just love it every you know in the 80s and stuff, it was just uh, prolific. Um, but just that role he used to play was great. You're just a uh, person you love to hate. But yeah.
0: I don't have any other notes. So let's, uh, you know, you, you, you've you heard my that, that I was conflicted about George. And uh, ultimately, I, I can't give him a pass for this one. It's, uh, But I, I'm not going to attribute it to his faulty efforts. There, there's faulty makers here. And uh, you, you can't ask a performer to uh, right those wrongs.
1: We're going to disagree for a change, Ken. Yeah. We always agree. I was we conflicted.
0: Don't. I was conflicted, but you have to look at like it says it needs to be, you know, a little bit better than fifty percent good. Yeah, right?
1: yeah. For everything you said, you're absolutely right. But I'm gonna swing on George's side and say I don't think he's entered by him. I think from what he was given, you know, this mad inventor, the love triangle wasn't enough there for him. Play this character, you know, he was he he did what he was asked to do with what he was given on those various different pieces he wasn't a whole character he was, he was various but i think the situation gave him various different things to deal with which he did adequately if he was carrying our movie it might have been different but he wasn't so in this case no i'm I'm gonna let george off with a pass on this one
0: as for availability of shanghai shanghai the remastered fortune star dvd uh, it didn't turn up in stock uh, last time i checked uh, and it was going for quite high price second hand so uh, i had to rely on uh, phil for uh, for the viewing and all of that but uh, but keep an eye out for more reasonably pri- priced uh, copies because it it, it it does look good so uh, maybe someone wanted 50 pounds for it which personally i don't think is uh, i and i didn't know what the movie was like when i looked that up but it was still too much for just the movie
1: yeah it, it ain't pedicab driver don't don't be paying that price
0: uh righty this defaming session done we got one probably one more in us whether we do because we need to do an un- uneven number of movies and i don't want to do just one
1: what hold on a second no no whoa, whoa, whoa. let's go back there's one left ken there's one left one more show
0: either that or we do a cliffhanger mid review of uh, doing the last three ones <laughs> i don't <Yeah>. know <laughs> but we gotta do an uneven number of movies and i don't want to do merely one one and a half shows so, so, so I got like um, uh, three movies in mind and uh, we're gonna uh, conclude this uh, the only thing I'm not gonna do is to pick something from the very um, back end of his uh, filmography because as me and Phil talked of off oh, air George doesn't act as much anymore and when he does he's not the lead
1: act as much anymore Did he ever? Mm, mm, mm. We'll have to find out (laughs) when we do the
0: scores. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed, indeed. But uh, we're we're going to announce that when the time comes and all of that. But thank you very much for listening, everybody. And for all your Podcast on Fire network needs, go to podcastonfire.com. You'll find the social media links available at the top of our page in the show post and I didn't mention it but I'll do it now. I write about the variety of Hong Kong and Taiwanese movies over on sogoodreviews.com and uh, review a little uh, uh, in a basic manner over at com. Little spoken audio reviews so that's my plug out of the way for that. But uh, Phil, go ahead and plug uh, your website once more before we sign off.
1: Yeah, so you can find us at www.easternfilmfans.co.uk. We're on Facebook and Twitter, uh, Instagram as well. So you know, just uh, pop along, say hi, and you know, throw us your greatest Eastern film fans in there as well. You know, you know, just your favorite films ever. Yeah, just just do that. You know, drop us a line, say hello. We'll see you then.
0: Cool, my friend. Well, thank you very much for uh, continuing to um, endure this uh, adventure, which is uh, coming to a close soon. But uh, we'll. We'll let you know how it goes and what movies are going to be up for final judgment. But uh, in the meantime, I've been uh, Kennedy and with me was the ever so lovely and jovial Phil G.
1: G. see ya!